The offseason has officially begun for Texas Tech, and it is already a bit of a doozy. Kevin McCuller heads to the NBA draft while maintaining his eligibility, while Terrence Shannon Jr. enters the transfer portal with the option to return to Texas Tech. We're going to break down both of those massive decisions coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. Our Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our channel over on YouTube if you have not already. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst, writer, and podcaster. Today, we've got to break down the Big decisions from Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon Jr. that lie ahead and just what it could mean for Texas Tech as a whole. But this episode of Locked on Texas Tech is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way that you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. So the first, uh, obviously the first decision we heard from any Red Raider on the 21-22 roster to either uh, continue to play at Texas Tech or play elsewhere was from Terrence Shannon Jr. Obviously reports breaking that he would enter the transfer portal uh, before the team even took off and left from San Francisco to fly back to Lubbock. Um, officially entered the portal yesterday afternoon, I believe, around then. Um, but obviously I think that there was some... Some clear disconnect uh, between TJ and, and just the team as a whole this season. But nonetheless, I feel like whenever you've got a decision like this less than 24 hours after you your season ends, it's a little bit surprising. Yeah, and I've been kind of preaching not to look too far into body language over the course of the season. We don't know what these guys are going through and sort of what's been going on off the court, how that's been impacting them. But certainly, I mean... People throughout Twitter, throughout all of the boards, pretty much anywhere, have pointed out how TJ's sort of body language was kind of up and down throughout the season. And certainly you had the injuries, which I feel like played a large part in kind of a disconnect between the team, as you mentioned. And certainly kind of inconsistencies in the rotation for him. I certainly think you look down the stretch and he had games where he really wasn't able to play much. I mean, the Notre Dame game sticks out in the tournament where he only played 18 minutes and it felt like he was getting subbed out every two minutes anytime he would make a mistake. And so... I certainly think there was a level of disconnect there. And so you could have expected it to some degree that at some point maybe he would uh, hop into the portal. Certainly we've heard sort of rumors throughout the season about that potentially being the case. But to have it happen right, really right after the season ended on Friday morning before the team even took off. And yeah, he wasn't officially in the portal, but it was sort of really why it was broke on a wide scale. And so to be able to hear that, it was kind of confusing in a way because even even with the understanding that it was likely that Shannon was going to test the waters either in the draft or the portal at some point it was a little bit bizarre to see that come out so quickly but I mean I really I'm not too I'm not too surprised I don't think that it's the exact I don't think that's the thing where I would say that it's 100% certain that he's gone 
I think that there is some level of connection and trust there between him and Mark Adams. I don't think that the relationship is completely fractured. I mean, I still think he has a lot of sort of support and behind the scenes respect for Tech's program as a whole, but it's not surprising. But at the same time, it's also just the timing of it was really unconventional. And it's just been a bizarre season as a whole from TJ. And I think regardless of what he decides in the portal, whether or not he decides to go to a different school, whether he decides to test his test his hand in the NBA draft or whether he decides to come back at Tech, I think the biggest thing he needs is just a reset at this point from what happened this year. Yeah, that Notre Dame game has kind of been something that's been churning in my mind over the past couple of days because it just feels like almost like the catalyst moment of where you could just kind of tell that there was a disconnect. Um, regardless of what that looked like, like he was getting subbed out like for for a possession and like playing up one possession and then getting put back on the bench. It just didn't really feel uh, completely normal. Like that that's really the only way I know how to say it is that like he, it was not a normal rotation. Obviously, Adams has kind of been tinkering with his lineups this season, but even that was a little strange to me. And um, like we can even we can even separate all the body language talk. Uh, like I don't, I don't even think it's necessary for this conversation. Just look at the rotation and the way that he has kind of been used this season. Um, his inconsistencies, kind of the way that he's put himself in positions to make uh make plays at the end of games. Like I don't think that there's like an element of selfishness to that. I just think it's like maybe this isn't the right system for him at this point. And you talk about a reset, and I I think that that's a perfectly fair thing to say. Like I think. Maybe he needs to go and just play basketball somewhere else in a system that's more favorable to what he's trying to do as a player. I think that's fair. I think that he didn't really uh, flourish in a Texas Tech offensive system that revolves around ball movement and getting the ball inside. I think he, to be the player that is TJ at his best, I think he needs space to kind of play in isolation and uh, just create plays for himself. And so... Man, you said uh, it, it's not 100% that he's gone, but I'm I'm really feeling today like it's probably like 95%. And, and that's what I'm hearing. Obviously, these situations change. I know that the stuff on Twitter right now is... It's so confusing. It's such that's a headache. Twitter in general. Like, I'm not... I don't even have anything to say about him as a person, but I will say that his Twitter dating back to last year has just been... A little bit bizarre in terms of the signs that he gives and I don't even want to take anything from how, what he tweets because for all we know I mean last year he was talked he was liking tweets about beard at Texas and whatnot and then turns up and basically says the only coach he wants to play for is Mark Adams and then this year I mean he's been pumping up tech on Twitter as of late and obviously like there's a lot that goes behind that and from all we can tell it seems like he's basically out the door so it's just it's a really strange situation and i mean i think i have my doubts about the system and how tj could force i do think that there's an avenue for tj shannon to be a valuable player in this tech offense i think for tj as well the evolution of his game that would allow him to fit better is not that far from happening i mean i felt like we saw moments in the season where his playmaking took a huge step forward he certainly became really good as an off-ball shooter as the season progressed. I feel like that's one of the biggest evolutions we've seen in his game. And really, I mean, I would go as far as to say that over the course of his three years in Lubbock, he has had almost an outlier level of development when it comes to catch-and-shoot threes. And 
that's something where if you're looking at him as a complimentary player, it's a really big benefit. I think the playmaking is something that he took another for another step forward. And I would even say his drives, even though he had some issues with being out of control, I feel like as the season progressed and as he got more healthy, he seemed to be a little bit more under control throughout the throughout the second part of the season and really getting into the tournament. And I mean, I was as confused as you were about the rotations. I think seeing how he was sort of handled in games like the Notre Dame game was really bizarre because he was more or less treated like a spot minute player, like the way that he was getting subbed in and out. And it, his minutes still ended up being in that 18 to 25 range quite a bit, which certainly isn't spot minutes, but it's one of those things where like when you're getting subbed in for a minute, subbed out for 30 seconds, it's hard to really get a rhythm. So I understand. I think that it's one of those things where a reset is definitely necessary. I'm not going to say he's completely gone from tech yet because stranger things have happened. I mean, if we would have asked this question last year after Beard left and after he declared for the draft, we both thought he was almost certainly gone and he came back. So you never know, but certainly I would be surprised to see him back in the tech uniform next year. Yeah, it's not apples to apples, kind of what happened last to, to last off season. But I've been thinking the same thought. Like we both sat here, and I think I put my odds at like eighty five percent that he was gonna stay in the NBA. We draft. thought McClung was more likely to come back than TJ. Yeah, and like obviously, it's a very different situation um, this this off season because at this point he's essentially fighting for um, the odds at a pro career. Um, it, it's just a different situation, but I do think that there's some analogy there, but man, it's going to be really interesting to monitor what happens to TJ Shannon, pretty much indicated by, um, everybody that covers college basketball right now to be the most coveted player in the transfer portal right now. So it'll be interesting to monitor his development and his recruitment and we'll provide any updates that are necessary for Texas tech right here on locked on Texas tech. But We've also got to talk about the decision from Kevin McCuller because it is quite a big one. But first, a word from Stat Hero. I love March Madness and bracket contests, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep and won any money. I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single pickums pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be Stat Hero. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Just a reminder that we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We are here talking about two pretty massive decisions from the Texas Tech roster, the first of which TJ Shannon, the second of which Kevin McCuller declaring for the NBA draft while maintaining his collegiate eligibility. Uh, This is one I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around a little bit. Um, not necessarily in terms of purpose. Like, I think that this is a really healthy thing for college players to do. I think that every single collegiate player that has the potential to get drafted in any year should test the waters, hear from scouts, and if it's clear that they're not going to be a draft pick that year, come back and work on those things. It's exactly what Ochai Abaji did last year when he was kind of a fringe second round, maybe even undrafted guy. He comes back, he works on being really aggressive, and he's an All-American in a first round pick. 
Like, I think that this is a really healthy system. It obviously does not work for everybody, but it's a really, really good way to get easy feedback. Marcus Santos Silva did it when he was at VCU, I think, and that really helped him improve his game. I think that this is a really healthy system, but I just don't know exactly where McCullough is at. Um, I think that his statement was worded a little bit confusingly. I think that people are kind of uh, torn and tied on what he means by um, exploring those options by retaining his two years of collegiate eligibility. But man, this is a uh, this is a big one. This is a big one to monitor because where I feel like you've you've kind of caused you've the, the rift has been caused and created with Terrence Shannon Jr. And I think that really both parties are due for a reset right now. I don't think that you're ready to move on from Kevin McCullough and pursue a roster without him next season. I don't think so either. I think that in some ways the wording of Kevin McCullough's statement was a little bit more troubling than the actual decision itself because I fully expected him to kind of pursue this option of being able to go test the waters in the draft. He has not done so through his first two years of college eligibility, I think that there's genuine positives to him as a prospect. Do I think he's going to stay in the draft? Almost certainly not, because I still think that people haven't, A, haven't really caught on to his game, and B, I feel like the role that he played this year was probably not best suited to sort of maximize his strengths as a prospect. I mean, if you look at some of the guys on draft Twitter that have taken a look at him, and I want to give a shout-out to my guy, CJ Murchisani from, um, what, yeah, from the what you call it from roll call that was really kind of strange but anyway so cj he's been on the mccullough train for basically the last few months and even dating back into 2020 you've seen some other guys from other outlets kind of briefly cover him as a potential draft prospect but one of the main things that you see throughout all of the circle is that he um really he's really good as a defender obviously He's got good off-ball movement, but as a ball handler, which is kind of the main role that he played this year, it just wasn't one that suited him. He's not someone that's going to be able to play as a high-usage guy in the NBA, and I think that that's one of the things that you're going to see if you look from the draft feedback analysis. And I almost wonder if maybe the exploring other options might be that he has someone in his ear telling him that he needs to be in a situation that better sort of fits what his kind of archetype is as a prospect. And I don't want to speculate too far on that, but I certainly think that's not one, the statement wasn't one that would be as clear cut of a returning to Texas Tech if he doesn't declare for the draft as you would have expected from a guy like McCuller. And certainly, I, mean, I think I'm completely with you when it comes to TJ running, TJ kind of needing a reset, Tech needing a reset from TJ. I don't think that's the case with McCuller. I think that McCuller is fitting well with the culture, with the program that Tech has. And certainly he has a lot of skills that you can utilize, whether it be his on-ball defense, his off-ball defense, and his versatility. Like he can fit in any sort of roster that you run, whether it be him being as a wing, whether him needing to be more of a primary ball handler or anything in between. I feel like that's really valuable. So I'm I'm not ready to lose McCuller. I hope that that's not the case, but the statement just kind of came off as a little bit bizarre to me. Yeah, and like I'll put my cards on the table here. Um, like as I'm sure you can probably assume just by monitoring the coverage of this, my sources have been silent whenever I've reached out for clarification on like what what this means. And that's kind of the case with every Texas Tech media member right now. Like, have we there's no clarification here on what's happening, and that's typically not a good thing. Like just 
just saying like it's typically not a great thing for sources not to be communicating exactly what's going on don't read too much into that but it does feel like there's this element of he maybe even he's trying to figure out what this means like maybe he hears from scouts that like he needs to go somewhere where he can be the most like aggressive player he can be and like that's just not going to be the way that Texas Tech's offensive system will allow him to play. But man, I just, I don't know. This is really, really strange. Like this is a, this is a strange scenario. There's not a lot of clarity. I did my, uh, my off season graph update this morning, crunched the numbers with McCuller out. You're looking at your, like one of your least uh, experienced and veteran rosters. If you lose McCuller since like, 1920 which is kind of where i feel like this roster is at right now we'll talk about that a little bit in our next segment and also the uh singular year of billy gillespie and so you're in some pretty rare air if you don't return mcculler in terms of the limited amount of production and scoring that you're returning and so man this is a really big decision like this is a very very big thing to monitor um, for Texas Tech this offseason. I feel like I'm kind of uh, dissonating and withdrawing from the TJ Shannon news just because I feel like he's gone. Like, And I, I think that's the way that Texas Tech is going to approach this this offseason is the fact that he's gone. But if there's not clarity with what McCuller is going to do, you're in a really, really interesting spot now because now you're having to rebuild your roster essentially not knowing if your cornerstone is going to be back or not. So this is this is pretty massive. And I I'd put the odds right now that he's back at Texas Tech next season at like 50-50. Like I just feel like I'm throwing a dart at a wall at this point because I just don't know. I don't know what's happening. If he was just like declaring for the NBA draft and his statement was crystal clear and like, "Hey, I love Texas Tech. I'm just trying to do what's best for myself professionally." 100% in support of that, by the way. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, like 95% he's back." Because I don't think that he's a draftable prospect at this point. I think that he's a good basketball player, but I don't think he's an NBA player at this point in his career. But the wording and the lack of clarity, I, I feel like I'm grasping at straws at this point. Man, I just have no idea. I do disagree on the fact that it puts Tech's roster building in kind of a tough spot because while McCuller is a cornerstone, certainly you want someone you want to have around the program, I really think that his versatility is one of the few things that can really come into play because if Tech Tech can recruit around him being a ball handler, they can recruit around him being a versatile wing, they can recruit around him being a jack-of-all-trades, similar to what we've seen his role evolve into over the course of the season. And so I feel like from a pure roster-building standpoint, you can kind of take the pieces and then see where McCuller fits best. And certainly I don't think that there's enough of a difference in how he's played in each of those roles for me to definitively say where he wants to be. But I think it goes back to his decision on that front. If Texas Tech goes out and gets multiple real high-level guards in the transfer market, does that dissuade him from wanting to come back? If Tech gets a couple of wings that are TJ TJ Shannon-esque in the way that they play, does that change his outlook? If Tech runs a real big-centric roster and has two forward, two big men on the court at all times, does that play in? I think that there's a lot of decisions on both ends that have to be made. And, I mean, I'd almost look at it more from McCuller's lenses in terms in terms of if he's looking at potentially entering the portal and going to another school, then that's when you say, well, maybe Tech's roster building is going to have to play a role in what McCuller decides to do as opposed to the other way around. Because I feel like either way, 
you're going to build a roster that best fits what Mark Adams is looking to do and what the resources you have out on the market look like, as opposed to trying to fit it around a couple of specific players. And that's no knock against Kevin McCuller, but I don't think he's an outlier in any one position where you would say, I'm not willing to bring in an elite level ball handler just because I want Kevin McCuller to be my point guard, you know? So for me, I mean, I'm with you. It's really hard to tell a direction. I think it depends on just how Tech decides to build the roster. And also if McCuller is true about wanting to get a different start, wanting to look somewhere else, depending on the advice that he gets. So, I mean, we don't know that. We're really kind of psychoanalyzing how we wrote on a um, graphic. And certainly if you look, if you look elsewhere, there hasn't been a lot of noise one way or the other. I mean, obviously your sources haven't said anything. I haven't heard anything. I don't really know of anyone that's heard one way or the other. So it's just a very strange time. I would say if he comes back, it's obviously great. If he doesn't, you're going to be in a void in terms of returning talent, but certainly not something that Mark Adams can't deal with, but it's a very interesting position to be in. Yeah, you touched on a couple of things there that I want to circle back around to as we take a look at the philosophy of building this roster throughout the rest of the offseason. But first, a quick word from Bilt Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Bilt Bar products. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your candy bars with these, they are better. Go to build.com and scroll down the macros chart, you'll be blown away. They are high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, low in carb. Go to build.com today to get your hands on some of your own. All right, so I made a face whenever you touched on something in our last segment. Everybody that's watching this on YouTube could probably pick up on that. But I think like you you both proved what I was trying to say in a manner that like I didn't word very well the first time and then also like again like reiterated my concern. Essentially my thing is if Kevin McCuller is gone, you are undeniably pursuing a primary ball handler in the transfer portal this offseason. Would you agree with that? Not really. I think Really. That, man, I just think that the way that it's hard to tell because McCuller could fit into any one different things. It could say that you have a lot. Of, okay, disregard have, McCuller. Look at your roster for next season. Right now, you're running it back essentially at the guard spot with Richard Isaacs playing point guard in the Big 12 as a freshman is really, really hard. And Malik Wilson, assuming he's back. You, you If you're Mark Adams, you're feeling good Clarence, about running it back with and, those two. And one more, I mean, you've got Clarence and one more Washington as well. That's four. You've got four guys there that you could say you That's come a, in. That's a that's a stretch for me. All right, I'm not I'm not feeling good at all with with either of those guys. Okay, all right, but you have four you have four guys that have proven that they can at least be not disastrous ball handlers. Okay, low bar I know. Has right? Clarence proved that? Look at okay, different discussion for a different day. But <laughs> regardless, your your ball handling situation. If you just want to look at Malik and Pop Isaacs. Those are two guys that you could say at least more than likely will be competent ball handlers. Now, will they be great level ball handlers? Probably not. But if you look at the same situation Tech was in last year, you lost Kyler Edwards. You lost Mac McClung. Certainly, you brought in guys that could have the potential to be ball handlers. But if you take a step back, Adonis Arms, if you watch the tape from Winthrop, was really a loose cannon as a ball handler. Davion Warren 
Same for Deal. Obviously, he had a ridiculously high usage at Hampton, but he was someone that they brought in as a scorer and then just kind of molded him into being a jack-of-all-trades player. Arms ended up taking on the ball handler responsibilities, which actually is one of the things that I wanted to mention at some point in terms of reviewing the season is quite possibly one of the biggest sort of surprises that I think we've seen from Tech basketball in the last few years was Arms taking such a big ball handling role. But the point is, like Tech came into last year came into the offseason with a very similar situation where McClung and Edwards probably wasn't, weren't getting Edwards back after he transferred to Houston. Obviously, McClung was more of a 50-50 shot. You didn't get him back. And yet still, the guys that you recruited in the market, by and large, n- not many of them were ball handlers. Obviously, you missed out on a couple that ended up going elsewhere. But at the same time, like they didn't... Tech did not really look after pure ball handers outside of Miley Wilson. Even then, I think you saw sort of the limitations of that with the shooting. So just because McCuller doesn't come back, and obviously you would have um, a little bit of a sparsity in, or scarce, scarcity, scarcity in ball handling doesn't necessarily mean that it's one of those things that you're going to immediately be looking at. So I don't know. I mean, I would hope that Tech pursues a primary ball hunter. I think regardless of if McCuller comes back or not, you want to be trying to get someone that's a higher level ball handler than what you have on the roster. But, I mean, last year we were in a similar space, and look where that ended up. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like it, I feel like they're two very different situations. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just philosophy. I agree with, like, what you're trying to say. Like, obviously, Texas Tech was in a position last offseason season where they didn't really know like where their primary ball handling was going to come from. I completely agree with you on that. Like we we talked about that all last offseason of like where where is this team going to get playmaking? How is it going to like revolve around the roster? But there was also a lot of guys on that roster that I felt like you were really comfortable with having the ball in their hands. Maybe not necessarily on the high usage rate as a true point guard, but like we came into last season knowing like hey, Davion Warren has played with the ball in his hands a lot. Hey, Adonis Arms has shown some flashes of playmaking at Winthrop, although like he was not good at it at, at Winthrop. Like it, it was a pretty crazy development for him Did to be the player. The same there. thing about Clarence, though. He's shown flashes. That one West Virginia game. <laughs> that one West Virginia game is a pretty, pretty quick flash, man. This, 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 this season has has shown more. I agree with you there. This season, the way that he's gotten the ball to the rim and and made passes. Absolutely. He's shown himself to be a lot more competent. But at this at this point in the in the offseason, you're looking at a roster with Pop Isaacs, who I think is going to be really, really good. Like I think Pop is going to be really, really good, especially if you play him next to a guy like Malik Wilson. And you can kind of have them share the burden of ball handling in the Big Twelve. Now I also feel like, man, Tyrese Hunter at Iowa State just had like one of the best true freshman point guard seasons of a like non immediately draftable NBA guy that we've seen in quite a bit. And like the dude had like multiple games with like six turnovers. And so I feel like it's also like helpful to keep us grounded on like what, what does a true freshman point guard in the big 12 look like? Obviously they can be really good, but there's also typically a lot of growing pains. You've got Lamar Washington, who I really don't think Texas tech is going to try to use in a primary ball handling capacity at all. Um, I think he'll look a lot like Namari Burnett kind of looked on the offensive end with maybe a little bit less of the ball in his hands. You got Jalen Tyson, who I think showed that in high school. I don't I don't know what player he is right now. Um, you've got Malik Wilson, assuming he he sticks around, and you've got Clarence Nadolny. 
I just feel like maybe it's a difference in philosophy, but I want I want at least one other guy that can that you feel really comfortable with in terms of maybe it's not a primary ball handler per se, but like I'm looking for a Davion Warren or an Adonis Harms. I'm looking for a guy that I've seen at the collegiate level put the ball on the ground and either make plays for others or make plays for themselves. And again, Davion Warren was a bit of a dice roll. I think that we like four turnovers per game at Hampton was pretty nuts for you to be like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's see what happens. But I don't know. There's, there's not enough creation per se for me to feel really comfortable with this roster right now. But man, we can talk, uh, we can talk roster philosophies this entire off season. If we wanted to just taking a look at this roster as a whole, as it is today, March 28th, um, that 2019-20 team is kind of where I feel like Texas Tech is sort of at um, in terms of like that team relied pretty heavily on a returner, and that was obviously Davide Moretti and Kyler Edwards to some degree. Like Kyler obviously had to step up into that role. You relied a lot on the young talent of Jamias Ramsey and TJ Shannon, and then you kind of went and plugged holes in the transfer portal. Now, I'm at a point now where that last point is kind of where you lose me on a direct comparison of that roster to where we're at at this point in the offseason. Because at this point in the offseason, uh, you need some dudes. Like, would you agree with me on that? Like, you need you need some talent from the portal right now. Yeah, 100%. You can't roll into next year with the exact roster that you have and then filler players. Like, with respect to the guys that are on the roster, that's just not going to end well. You don't have the experience and Really, I think that there are some very scary needs. If you look at, you don't really have bigs. I know that I, if I had it my way, I'd be playing small ball five 80% of the time, but you still need the versatility on your roster. I don't think, I'm still a little bit skeptical on Bacho when it comes to his health and his ability to play as the lead big on a team. And certainly, you look beyond that, and really, like, I love Buzo and I love Jalen Tyson. I love what they could bring to the table as wings, but those are two guys that I have a little bit of questions on their versatility compared to what tech has had in the past. So I think that you could play both in a crucial role if Buzo stays on, obviously. And if you have kind of both playing in the rotation, but I also think that you're going to need more wings in the portal. And obviously we've touched on guard. So really there's no place where I feel like you should feel settled with this roster. And I'd be shocked if there's not a concerted effort to get a few guys. And we've already seen in the portal, that's been the case, but I mean, that's that's the thing. I think the roster has raw talent on it, and certainly you're going to have guys that are here right now that are going to be key factors in the rotation. And I would argue that you have at least one player from each position group that's going to factor into the rotation, but it's just not where you want it to be right now. Yeah, I almost think that you're kind of in a dicier spot than you were the last offseason. Like, after after, I should specify... After the returns of Kevin McCuller, maybe Marcus Santos Silva, I feel like you're you're in a position now where you're teetering on your main returner being Kevin O'Banner. That might not even happen. Yeah. Like that's that's not a great place to be, and that's not a knock on O'Banner, but like the guy is not a consistent scorer and he also can't create his own offense. So I'm at the point in this offseason for Texas Tech where it's like it's time to swing. Like it's time to swing pretty drastically. It's time to make some moves in the portal. Um, 
at this point, I feel like we're not talking about a reload as much as we are talking about a rebuild at this point. Like you're looking at a roster that is going to be drastically different than it was last season. And like in Mark Adams, I trust, man. Like let let's buckle up, let's go for the ride. But this is gonna be this is gonna be a really, really interesting off season to monitor. And like we still like I'm still not comfortable with where um we're at on the chances of Buzo, O'Banner, and Wilson returning next season. Like those are all kind of coin flips for me right now. And so uh there are a lot of decisions to be made and it is gonna be a doozy of an off season. Yeah, I don't think that it being a rebuild is necessarily a bad thing, per se. Because I think, in all honesty, I feel like that the way that this roster was constructed had a lot of raw talent on it and a lot of guys that gave you the potential to win a lot of games. But there's also room for improvement. I do think that one of the biggest things in college basketball these days is staying old and making sure you have really experienced guys in the rotation. But there's going to be some value in bringing in some younger dudes and kind of allowing Mark Adams to reshape the roster because I feel like last year's roster was kind of constructed in a little bit of a do or die situation. Like you had to get some guys on the board that could play heavy Big 12 minutes. In the process, I mean, it kind of ended up being a Frankenstein team. I remember coming into the first game, we were talking about potential lineups and we had lineups where you could play five guys that were 6'6 to 6'8". And you could play three bigs, you could play four wings. We didn't really know what was going to happen with that. And I don't know if that's the best thing. Obviously, it's like an extremely versatile situation, but it gives you the chance to sort of look at some younger guys. Obviously, you have some young talent coming in with this recruiting class with Jalen Tyson finally being able to play. And even with the sort of potential for guys like Buzo or Malik or O'Banner to leave, there's still a lot of potential there. And if those guys stay on, you're going to have a lot to work with. And I don't know, a rebuild doesn't actually mean that you're going to be out of contention next year. For all we know, Tech could bring in a lot of talent in the portal and be right back here in the same situation next year. But it's just, it's an opportunity for a complete remold. And it's something that Tech has gone through really the last three off seasons. If you want to look at it, at least this is the fourth consecutive off season where I would say that you came into a season and the structure of your roster changed quite drastically. And how sustainable is that? I'm not sure. I don't know. This team could bottom out in a way that 2019, 2020 did, or you could see it come together like we saw last year. And there's just so much uncertainty. I think the biggest thing is how sustainable are the guys that you're going to get in the portal? Because obviously I think tech hit the jackpot in this past all season. I mean, look, like Mark Adams is an exceptional coach, obviously has a good eye for talent, but seeing Adonis Arms become a primary ball handler, seeing Bryson Williams turn into a 40% three-point shooter, and seeing Davion Warren become an elite-level defender, I think all of those things were unexpected benefits that you didn't expect from those guys. And most of the time, it's the other way around, where guys transfer and you kind of lose a skill set that you thought you might have. So it'll be interesting. I'm not sure if we can count on the portal as much as we did last year, but certainly, I mean, there's a lot to work with there. Yeah, Mark Adams obviously has a very, very good streak going on on landing talent in the portal. It really feels like your only miss might have been Sardar Calhoun. And at that point, like nobody could have envisioned him being ice cold from three-point range. It was just completely unprecedented. But yeah, I think that was a really good point and a really good place to end about rebuild isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I do think that's fair. And I'm like that that's college basketball. Like this is this is what it is at this point. Um, obviously you're going to have to 
be getting used to a lot of new faces being on your team every season. But uh, the work is there for Mark Adams and company um, to put together another another talented roster. And we will be here all offseason to monitor how Adams and company are doing at just that, adding more talent onto the roster and trying to retain, obviously, the big decisions that lie ahead for Kevin McCuller and TJ Shannon. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's Locked on Texas Tech. Again, if you have not already, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really does help us out. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up with us. When you're not listening to the show, you can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emory at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at LockedOnTTU. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It would be a great help. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.